Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to Ruler Roost Podcast. There is no Antonio Nusa coming into Tottenham Hotspur. We will discuss that at length. Everybody's very cross. Everybody's very angry about that. But it doesn't seem like even Brentford are going to be signing him anymore. Um, does It doesn't look that way, does it, Sean Walsh? Hello, mate. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, good thing, mate. Thanks for having me. No, no. Welcome. Thanks for giving us your time. Um, what do you make of this whole Nusa de- debacle? I think, yeah, first of all, I think it's a shame for him because he's clearly a player of promise. He's, cl- he's someone that a lot of clubs across Europe have been looking at. And I think it was quite clear that he wanted to come to the Premier League, be it to Tottenham or to Brentford. And as it stands, as we're recording this, it doesn't look like he's going to get that wish because of a few issues that have arisen in the medical. So quite gutted for him. Um, from a Tottenham perspective, I was quite hesitant on signing him anyway because... He barely even starts for Club Brugge, who, no disrespect, they play in the Belgian Pro League. It's not the same level as the Premier League. I don't think he would have been someone to come in and make an instant impact even next season. So I would prefer if Spurs went after other targets instead, and I assume that they will now in the summer with Noosa off the table. So I think disappointing for him, but I think from Spurs' perspective, this probably it's probably a little bit good that the, that route is ruled out now. Because it seemed, I'll, I'll be honest, I was quite excited when I first heard about it and I did the, you know, the usual, let's watch his <laughs> to YouTube kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. And he does look sick. He looks really, really good. Um, but as somebody pointed out on Twitter, Brian Hill looked absolutely sick when we signed as well from, <laughs> from YouTube compilations. But look, we don't need to, com- we don't need to compare the two. It is, it is unfortunate for him, you would assume. Um that he's, I don't know, maybe not going to get a Premier League move now. It sounds pretty, sounds pretty brutal. It's pieces of cartilage floating around in his knee or something. It, it seemed to be the latest. Uh, that's Tottenham totally Heritage, right there. You have to say, <laughs> isn't it? Just linked to a player and they do a knee. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I don't know. It would be nice to bring somebody in of that profile, though. You know, Nathan A. Clark's always going on about his want for a a dribbly winger as it were yeah i'm very um, much the same and I, w- I want the same guy that he wants i want nico williams from athletic club okay so i'm def- i'm fully on board with that being who spurs go after but i mean i mean we'll have to just it, like give this to the to the to the unenlightened because as far as i was aware he he was a lad that was on a trajectory for a real madrid right do you, i mean yeah. is that is is it likely that Spurs are going to be able to go in for somebody like him, or is this just look why you know let's act like a big club kind of mentality? Um, I think I don't think it's impossible. I think it's just that if he were to become available, and I think he signed a, a new contract with a quite reasonable release clause in the last few months, it just feels like if Spurs could get him, why wouldn't another club get him? I don't think it'll be Real Madrid this summer because they're so focused on Mbappe, but. If he were to become available, I could see the likes of Arsenal, United, maybe even Liverpool and City going in for him because he is that good. But he's the perfect profile for what Spurs need. He's both-footed, he's so quick, he's a great creator, and he's someone that can chip in for the goal. So I would love him. That is like the ideal target. I don't think it's too out of reach, but it'd be really hard to see. I'd I'd be amazed if Spurs would get him just because of the competition there would be. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of, like I say, from my outside-ish understanding of it all is that this is a lad that's coveted by you know basically everyone right um yeah oh I mean, that Mbappe do you just talk about that the, the Mbappe stuff to Madrid this summer again is going to be so tedious isn't it <laughs> like it's already, it's already can, tedious it's only January you can have a week of Liverpool fans saying actually he might come to us and doing photoshops and stuff like <laughs> well, it, it feels like their mate's only point's gone now <laughs> yeah right um that's a weird. That took me by surprise a bit. That one. You're oh, not worried about Ange going. There. This is this is a bit. This is just chucking this one in randomly. You, you you're not worried about Ange going there, are you? No, I'm not. I did hear a, a few whispers a, a couple of months ago about 
he would like to manage Liverpool one day, maybe. But it was so kind of like offhand. I don't think it's anything serious for Spurs fans to worry about. I hope not. But I don't. I don't like that, Sean. I don't like this. <laughs> I should have brought it to the world, really. <laughs> no, I know. What are you doing? It's, this I, is like I, I a... think for the, I reckon for them it's Alonso, though. I think it feels quite, not nailed on, but there's a clear number one target, I think, and I reckon it'll be him. So, What if he's like their Tim Sherwood, though? What if he's, you know, not very good at all? <laughs> then then they might come back in for Ange. Then they might do that thing of like, ah, oh, shit, we should, have just, we should have just gone with that guy that's doing really well at Tottenham who says he's a Liverpool fan. Or, or, or said he was once a Liverpool fan. I get it. Everyone well, went yeah, across yeah, the other exactly, day when yeah. I said that. But you know, doesn't have a poster of the Fonz on his wall. I understand. I know. Um, but people, Andrew's a bit of a dreamer, isn't he? He seems like somebody that's that's followed a dream, chased a dream. Why am I talking about this? <laughs> I don't I like. I don't, uh, like you say, I don't want to. I don't want to make this real. You know. So let's just not. Let's just not. We lost to Manchester City the other day, Sean. Um, out of the FA Cup. First of all, up front. Foul or no foul on Vicario? I think it's, it's annoying. I don't think it's a foul, but it's one right, that get, almost get always gets given. Go on. Go on. <laughs> no. Done. <laughs> I, it's, it's a really hard one. If the ref gives a foul, the VAR's not overturning it. I think that was kind of the process they really followed, that they were going to stick with the decision if they didn't feel it was clear and obvious, in quotation marks. He backed into him. He backed, look, either way... Some angles look worse than others, I will say that. Either way, I've heard this, I haven't seen this one, I've heard there's like an, an aerial view that makes it kind of abundantly clear that he wasn't fouled. Um, hence my not really searching that view down because I don't want it to, you know, go against my uh, my bias on the situation. Um, either way, though, foul or no foul, it was quite an annoying way to to go out the FA Cup, especially to Manchester City. I don't like. I don't think Spurs played particularly well, but I don't think we played half as badly as people people on the internet were making out. We defended resolutely. It is Manchester City, after all. Let's not forget. And it would, yeah, do you know what I mean? It would have been nice. I, I, I said up front in the in the post match thing. There is also that really petty, pathetic part of me that's annoyed that they've broken the hoodoo not only by scoring but also winning at at Spurs. Mm. It was so close to just going nil nil, and they can you know whatever turn us over at the Etihad. Fine, not fine, but you know what I'm saying. Um, and we could have we could have gone with with that, but it's just it's just, I don't know. I, I left that game feeling all just a bit meh, didn't you? Yeah, you're you're right. It definitely would have been more palatable if even if it was that late, if City just kind of carved Spurs open and just done them in with one of their usual De Bruyne, thirty five yarder or something. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, well, you got you got to put your hands up to that, you know. Yeah, um, but you're right. It wasn't an it wasn't an amazing game. It really felt like um, in the stadium. City just kind of suffocated Spurs. They had their number, really. And you're right. I don't think Spurs played necessarily awful. I don't think it's as bad as some people are making out to be. The bad thing is that the one-shot stat is quite glaring. But I will say that is by far the worst attacking performance from Spurs all season. By far. It's so... You know, it's only up from here, Jack, you know. I th- I, I would like to think so. I would like to think so. And... I, I do keep kind of coming back to it and I was I it was becoming ever clearer to me as I was doing the post match pods on that one that City are actually obscene, aren't they? Like they really yeah. are yeah. Act, they are ridiculous. That midfield they had the other day, even when Kevin De Bruyne was on the bench, was was just ludicrous. They're an obscene Every, every single touch, game. pristine, every pass, so perfect. Like and said it post match, like they've in terms of projects, City have got seven, eight years on Spurs, let alone the the riches they have but that's what it is that's one of the best coaches of all time coaching some of the best players in the world that's what it looks like that's so hard to go up against it's a miracle that Spurs have had this record over City until now really the fu- the funny thing I, I do think about City and I know this isn't a Man City pod but still the the thing I find quite interesting about them is that they don't I mean if you if you think about like their whatever their superstar players it's only really it's Haaland who they've signed recently that was something of an uncharacteristic 
acquisition from Manchester City, really. And Kevin De Bruyne, who has become a superstar since playing for Manchester City. But their profile of player isn't usually that glitzy, if you like. Yet, when you actually stop to think about it, you think most of their players are just unbelievable. Like They're, they're just out and out the best players in the league, <laughs> pretty much in every position. Unstatedly brilliant. Someone like, because this is what's going on about Bernardo Silva is just, he's got to be a Premier League all-timer. Yet it feels like nobody ever really talks about him in this, is he one of the best in the league type conversations, you know? Yeah. It's it's almost like, I think Guardiola's done a really, really good job of not just spending the money well, because I think, you know, I think you, you look at United as proof. You can spend a lot of money, you can still be quite crap. But he spent yeah. the money well and Sorry, he's Scott. improved the players. <laughs> he's the, he'll be the first to say that. Um, but he spent the money well. He's made a lot of those players better. Like guys like Nick and Atha, who scored the wicket winner in this game. Yeah. Like I, th- I think a lot of us were wondering what the hell they're spending 45 more Nathan Ake for. But he's been unbelievable since he got there. He's actually been a really, really good defender. I thought he was their best player even before he scored on uh, Friday night. But Pep has just generally just raised the level of the whole team. That's what good coaches do ultimately. They make everyone better. It was, you know, we saw the inverse last year with Conte when he made everyone worse. <laughs> but you got some, it's a, it's a real triumph of coaching as well as the millions that they've spent and will probably get trophies taken off them for. And so that's another day. So I guess with all this in mind, because I was leading to something of a point with all of my fawning over Manchester City, <laughs> is that. We've we've all been getting very excited as a fan base, right, about Ange Postacoglu, about the impact he's had on this team, about many of the individuals within our team. Um, Vicario, who we've spoken about already, somebody like Destiny Adoggi, who just looks unbelievable, looks like he could walk into most teams. Um, James Madison, Ben Tancur, Papi Matassar, you know, the, the list goes on, if you like. Um, Pedro Porro as well, lest we forget. How far off do you think we are, somebody like Manchester City? Though, because I mean, do you think the 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 dull feeling around the club, and I think I think it has been there. I think I think even your most optimistic Spurs fans have, just from talking to people and just from looking about online, everyone seems to be a just a bit sad after that one. It seemed to be a bit of a oh, that is kind of where we are in the pecking order. Still, we're still not. We we don't yet have the capacity to be able to really dream of turning over the likes of Manchester City yet. But since the sort of dust has settled on that, I do look back on that and think, okay, well, we are we had a half fit James Madison who is arguably probably our best player, him or Sonny. Sonny actually missing from the game as well. So it's two two of our very best players missing from that game. We didn't land a glove on City. We did. We got to be honest about that. We didn't at all. But we held them off, and we we gave a decent account of ourselves defensively and in in midfield. I thought we played the ball around relatively nicely. Didn't find that killer pass at all, really. Um, Kulisevsky was having a bit of an off day. But like, where are we in in your estimation? Like, if are we are we in a position yet? Like a Klopp's Liverpool have been in the past few years to to challenge a Manchester City and obviously we've seen what that's done to Jurgen Klopp he's absolutely burnt out and is leaving <laughs> yeah. as a result of that you know it is it's 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 quite horrible in some ways I, I i was asking um the lads after the game like do you think there's any part of Ange that's looking at Klopp at the moment thinking ah oh, shit like maybe this is uh, <laughs> maybe this is going to be a totally thankless task or do you think <laughs> You know, we could we could spring a surprise here and there because I'm optimistic. I think we could. I still think we're amazing. I really do. And I have got everyone back. Yeah, I'm buzzing. You know, I have an answer, but I don't think you're going to like it. Come on, mate. It's it's a discussion. Yeah, I mean, I I think Spurs can't aim to be like this city or the recent years Liverpool. I think the best blueprint for Spurs is last season's Arsenal. Just... Because uh, just, they're Arsenal's still quite early in their project as well, right? Like, last year wasn't... I don't think that'll be the peak. It might be the peak in terms of position and points, but I think in terms of what those players there can be, they've still got their best years ahead of them, I feel. And I think that's going to be a similar thing with a lot of these Spurs players, particularly at the back, with those defenders. Yeah. 
I think you're going to have to hope that whoever goes into Liverpool, if it's Alonso or someone else, that it might take them a while to get going. With City, it might be you're hoping for them to have an off year like they did when Liverpool won the league or that Pep might go. You just need to kind of be ready to pounce when that happens. But you're right, I do think Spurs are going in a good direction. And when everyone is fit and available in the strongest team, we definitely are one of the three, four best teams in the league by, I think, by a considerable margin. And in this game, we had the um, strongest back four, back five available to us for, I believe, must be the first time they've all started together since, apart from the Man United game, since um, the Chelsea game. So it just makes such a difference. They're all fantastic. So once you have that stable base, once we get some of these forwards back, once we have one or two more transfer windows, I think the squad will be in a really, really good state. I still am quite positive about where Spurs are going. I think the, that defeat you're right is soured the mood a little. I think some people have started to have a, a few more doubts about what this project can really lead to. But I'm still, I'm still positive. There's no reason to really be negative about it. I feel. I don't. Really, it's, it's the thing because I have seen a bit of that, and I don't, I don't really get where that's coming. We just from. lost the best team in the world, one nil. The scrappy late winner that might have been ruled out on another day. It's like, come on. I know, and I am starting to see this. Hmm, Maybe Ange isn't all that he's cracked up to be. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Where's this coming from? I don't. I get that you. I get that people are a bit sad. I get that it's not nice to get knocked out of the FA Cup, and I think that's one of those things. I think for as much as people kind of, I don't think people piss on the FA Cup. I think people rally against this. Let's be honest. It's quite a. No, I don't need to cast any special. I just think certain types of people love to aggressively defend the FA Cup and say, you should love it. You should love it as much as winning the Premier League or the Champions League. And I think most people sort of rally against that because in truth, it isn't. It's it's not as good as either of those things. It is still class though. And I, I'm pretty sure most, I, like, I always see kind of a lot of the, the commentary out, if you like, saying, oh, we're young people today. They don't care about the FA Cup. I'm pretty sure they do. Pretty sure they, everyone they still really yeah, likes the I'm FA very Cup. Sure they do. Like it would be sick. It would. It, I think people definitely see it as something bigger than winning a league cup. Um, it would be sick for Spurs to win the FA Cup, and I, I, I guess that's the that's the disappointment, isn't it? Because that felt like the thing that wow, we're, we're not going to be able to challenge for the league this year. But I, I, I back us to take the FA Cup actually. Well, I've that, heard well, so that many was, people that was the saying that. Leaving the stadium on Friday, it did feel like Spurs had just lost maybe a semi final. Like everyone felt really gutted. There's a lot of players that kind of fell to their knees at full time. They'll, you could feel the devastation in the air. It was like, wow, there goes a chance. Because if Spurs had got through that tie, the tournament really opens up for them. So yeah. you could still feel like there was definitely, it was a winnable competition if they got through that. They nearly did. It, it is annoying, isn't it? It is annoying. And I, I guess I sort of default back to a, a position. It's, it's not something I'm sort of planning to do. I, I, this is just my my reaction to it, my honest reaction to it is that losing to that City team, it, it's, and even having drawing them at this point, it is one of those things, it's annoying to say, people don't like it, to dare is to do and all that, yeah, it doesn't mean I don't believe in all that, but it's a free hit because I would, I would much rather lose to them at this point in the competition than be embarrassed by, do you know what I mean? Losing to bloody, Portsmouth again in an FA Cup semi-final at Wembley. Look at the in last two years of the FA Cup. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't want that again. I don't want that for Spurs. And yeah. it's not to say that I think that will definitely happen. But do I see losing to treble-winning Manchester City in the what is this? The fifth round was it? Fifth round of the FA Cup. Fourth round. Um, well, there you go then. Even at an even earlier stage of the FA Cup to Manchester City, no, it is what it is, isn't it? That's just yeah. Do you know what it is? I think it's a mixture of the team that Ange put out for the League Cup game, which I know has been quite a divisive issue, but I think also the manner in which Spurs have gone out of the FA Cup in the last two, three years, you know, the losses at Sheffield United yeah. and and it's and you know, because after that, it's, it just opens up a bunch of discourse, like, you know, oh, how serious are Spurs about winning a trophy, stuff like that. And I just think on this occasion, it's like, we just lost the best. It's Sometimes it's just the way it is, you know. 30 whatever years it is without an FA Cup you're right for a club like Spurs that is outrageously poor but sometimes you're going to get times where you just lose to a better team and this was one of those times it's hard to really delve too much into it especially with, like you said with without 
Spurs' two best players there. It's quite annoying. One of the things that really does piss me off, and I don't really get why, well, it's because it's Spurs, isn't it? That's that's the why. But some of the aggregators are all really sort of going for Ange at the moment and signing off tweets with mate and all that type of thing. I think it was T, was it TNT that oh, did a, yeah, so, they yeah. did a something like one shot on target mate or something like that. And I just thought, come on, lads, really? Is that is that where we're at? You know? I suppose Emery, when he was in charge of Arsenal, everyone was saying good evening and stuff, weren't they? So it's just one of those things, like, everyone, it's a cycle, isn't it? Like, everyone loves you, and then it ultimately just kind of, you got to be prepared for the backlash because uh, people just get upset over anything. And it's whatever. I don't, I don't pay much attention to it. How do you think we're going to do in the in the league for the rest of the season then, mate? Because I'm, I'm still quietly sort of confident once we've got everyone back that, if it did open up for us, you know, we could finish second or third in in in, in you know in a certain universe. We could do that. Mm. I think we might even. I, I hate to say, it, I still think we could maybe even win it if it if it if things really went our way. Well, that's what I just said last month. He was like, "How many points are we off first place?" Like, you don't don't need to talk about the top four. So I think that this is a mentality and the stuff that I've heard this season. It sounds like he really does feel <laughs> if all of those injuries and suspensions didn't happen at once, then Spurs would be right in that mix and be in those conversations. And you never know when your winner's going to open. You know, we might end the season, we might end it fifth, but we might end it six points off the top as well. And you look back and you think, God, that really was another chance to have won it there. So I think, yeah. I think people are going to have to realise that once everyone is back, you expect they'll be in the next couple of weeks with everyone coming up for international duty. There's not going to be the end of the injuries. There's still going to be some before the end of the season, but if Spurs get the right injury luck, then you're right. I, th- I expect Spurs to be in the top three, top four fairly comfortably. I think that Villa will probably fall away. They're still playing in Europe. They're still in the FA Cup. I just, I'm not saying they're lucky. I just don't think that they're, they have as much quality as Spurs do. And then I look from like kind of sixth place down. I think we're five points clear of West Ham while recording this. I don't think that they're going to sustain a top four challenge. I don't think anyone below those you know, Chelsea, United, Brighton, I don't think they're going to come close. So I think there's quite, there's a top five. And if Spurs have the right injuries, I think the performances and results will follow. How, I mean, how are you feeling about the, the, the season, like where we are? I mean, are you, do you think we are kind of punching where we should be or do you think we are overperforming or? It's definitely overperforming. You look at, can you think of one single preseason prediction that said, oh, Spurs will be fighting for top four and they'll be only, what, six points off the top? Like, no. Like, I, I honest, Honestly, I, I didn't think we were going to be, but I was saying I wouldn't have been surprised if we were in a very uncomfortable position at the bottom. Of That's the what table. I mean, right? Every, everyone just thought it was going to be like the worst case scenario. Like, oh, this kind of evangelical utopian manager is going to come in. He wants to play football attacking ways. But you look at Spurs last season, they've just lost their best player ever. It was all just doom and gloom. And I think it was almost kind of liberating to Spurs to not have that kind of weight of expectation. They were able to freely go about their business. Everyone clearly bought into what Postacoglu has been doing. And I think it's been a real, I talked about triumph coaching earlier with Pep. You look at everyone this season. I talked about Conte last season. No one was performing at all. Almost everyone's had their day in the sun this season so far. Like everyone's had that period where you think, wow, what a player. They're one of the two, three in the best of the, their position in the league. And it really gets lost on people. You remember when Gary Neville was talking about, um, oh, it's not the same for Postacoglu as Ten Hag because there wasn't as much upheaval at Spurs or something. It's like, were you watching Spurs? People were going to protest every single home game. Like, was it Paul Coyte came to present the the season highlights at the um, last home game of last season and he got kind of booed. And it was like, what the hell's going on here? Like, people really forget how <laughs> bad the mood was around Spurs. It was horrific, wasn't it? Yeah. It, was, it was absolutely horrific. And now, everyone's just, for the most part, buzzing. I mean, the, the sort of purple and gold lot have been piping up the past few days. I think Noosa, the Noosa news got everyone a bit angry again, didn't it? But yeah, we're spending a lot of money. We're, yeah, but we are spending dosh. I, I wouldn't be... Would you be surprised if we brought in somebody like I'm not I don't think we will but would you be surprised if we brought somebody else in before the end of the window a Conor Gallagher or whoever for, for it sounds like they're going to make another try but I just don't think 
I think it makes no sense for Chelsea to do that at this point now, unless Spurs go over the top with a bid. I would, I would love Gallagher. I think he's a really good player. Um, really, I, th- I think he's, I think he's perfect in this system. I think if you kind of split, S- him on, and yeah, start, sell him to me, mate. Because I, to me, I'm like English Hoybier. Like I just sort of see him as like an all right player that gets stuck in, but would. My point I was making about Hoybier the other day is I, I don't think individually he was actually bad against Manchester City, but I just think he's so ill-suited to what we're trying to do with Angeball. It seems to be that yeah. we lose a lot of our you know fluidity when he starts games for us. And I, I, I my worry is that with, with Gallagher as well, but please, go and send him to me. I think, well, you're right, you're right about Hoybier. You know, he played the last 10 minutes with shit basically running down his leg, didn't he? Um um, so with Gallagher I just think that he's such a good kind of he brings so much energy to Chelsea every time I go to watch Chelsea particularly at Stamford Bridge he's such kind of the heart and soul of that midfield and I think that's similar with Saar I think we've really seen that from Saar this season he's really taken a lot of responsibility he relishes taking responsibility and driving Spurs forward I don't think um, Gallagher's goal stats have backed up this season but he is a really good box crusher he is someone who makes those late runs and I think that I think there's a, there's a thing now with Spurs, particularly with Ange, that remember that period where Liverpool's just signed whoever and they'd come into the team and it'd be like, bloody hell, it's like they've got like kind of an upgrade on Ultimate Team or something. I think there's now that kind of feeling about a lot of Spurs' signings. I'm still waiting to see it with Werner. We've seen about five minutes of Dragosin, but the summer signings particularly have all been utterly amazing. I just feel yeah. because there is now such a... There's a real way of playing. There's a real identity. And I think... Gallagher's kind of high intensity style. Uh, I think the opposite. You, he is similar to Hoiberg in some sense, but I think the main thing for him is he doesn't shy away from responsibility. And I think that's one of the people's main criticism of Hoiberg is that he does go hiding. He does point and shout a lot. He does look to blame other people. Gallagher is like the complete opposite. He's been made captain by Pochettino on so many occasions this season. He really believes in his talent. He really believes in his kind of his mentality. So I think that. I think there's a real good reason why Postacoglu has been so keen to bring him in. I don't think it will get done before the deadline. I'd be really surprised, but I think there's maybe one to watch for the summer. I don't think the links will go away. It's quite mad to see Spurs in this position, though, isn't it? That we are able to sort of actually have a realistic conversation about Tottenham signing Chelsea's captain. Tottenham, again, one of the only clubs that is spending money anymore and is actually able to spend money because... Arsenal are clearly quite hamstrung by FFP now, I'd imagine. I, I thought as soon as the winter window opens, bang, they're going to bring in Ivan Tony and go and win the Premier League because he's almost exactly what they need. Mm. But they haven't, they, they haven't done that. And that's not to say it's you know because they haven't signed Ivan Tony or whatever, but the fact they haven't added anyone else to that team when you can see that it is lacking a little bit. I think they're missing Xhaka a lot more than they probably expected they might um, a million percent and that's such a weird thing to think about isn't it it's, it's so random isn't it but they just seem to i don't know they they this it doesn't it, it doesn't seem to have quite clicked at arsenal right um but yeah. still like i say they, they, they're not i know they spend a lot of money in summer but they're not spending anything this january nobody is really other than spurs and that's got to count for something, right? In the in the coming years, at least, you'd, you'd hope. It just, I think it's just, it's not quite a vindication of Levy's methods and the way he operates, but I do think it's just a sign that Spurs are really well run as that kind of football business. Like they have, they're not in a position where they need to sell off homegrown assets. Like I don't, I don't know if Spurs really have many high-profile ones anymore. Like but there's no talk like, oh, Spurs have to sell, skip in order to get someone in. There's nowhere near the kind of talk like that. So I think he's just, he's someone who he's looked over the rules for so many years. I think he's always kind of lobbied in favor of these kind of measures. And I think now we're seeing why, because ultimately the rules are in place because the Premier League don't want these clubs going bust. And you did, you've seen some of the reckless spending over the years that there's a real risk of some daft clubs doing that, but the Spurs just aren't a daft club. I, well, no, really, I, 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 I don't think that's a point as well. Like Spurs are not idiots in terms of the financial sense. And that's a really good place to be. Yeah, I mean, because I saw a lot of Villa fans were getting all pissy about it on um, on Twitter because there's some talk that they might have to sell Jacob Ramsey. 
And they're like, you know, it's ridiculous that we can sell Jack Grealish for a hundred million pounds. And then a few years down the line, we're having to sell one of our next best homegrown talents. The, the system's rigged the things this. And so many people were just pointing out to them, like, no, it's because you sold Jack Grealish and then spent loads of money. Yeah, they pissed all the like, money away. Like, I've done that since you, they got to the Prem. Yeah. You, you lot are spending loads of money to give yourselves an advantage in the league and you're spending unsustainably. Like that's the reason why it's not because this, you know, this want to protect Tottenham Hotspur, for example, like, a bit, you know, just make your minds up. Like Spurs are either this pathetic joke of a club that are so absolutely ridiculous. Every single person in the media needs to refer to as anytime any other club has some sort of a failing it being Spursy. Mm. Yet at the same time, we're suddenly part of this. Like I've seen Everton starting to sort of go for us a little bit. We're suddenly part of this shadowy cabal of these all powerful teams. It's like no, we we are literally we should you shouldn't be looking at Spurs and getting pissed off. Everton, Villa, even Newcastle, really, you shouldn't be looking at us and getting pissed off. You should be emulating what what we've done over the past few years, really. Yeah, and, it's so hard to challenge though that that kind of. The status quo of like the big four plus city who got in just in time with the um yeah the derby takeover before ffp really came into play like it's really hard to do that it's really hard to be consistently top six top seven all those clubs have had like spells but only like a year or two at a time it's a this is how hard it is it's really hard to get in and keep doing it sustainably many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wagovi and zep pound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. But I mean, there, there is a vindicate, and it, people don't like to say it because... We've all been pissed off with Daniel Levy. Like, I would say 90% of people, Spurs fans, have been pissed off with Daniel Levy over the past years at varying different points, whether it was the Nelson and Saha window or whether it was <laughs> the three windows we went without signing anyone or it's selling Harry Kane or Gareth Bale or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, I understand or moving to the Olympic Stadium potentially. There's been plenty of reasons to be annoyed with Daniel Levy. I've been annoyed with the fact that we haven't just pulled the trigger, if you like. But th there should be a vindicate because those three clubs I just mentioned, like Villa, Everton, Newcastle, those are, I would say the four of us are clubs that have existed outside of the, you know, Chelsea, United, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, of who out of us can maybe make a step up and lay a glove on that lot. Yeah. And we've all we've all had different little periods in the Premier League where we've gotten close, and consistently, it has been Tottenham who have who have done that the best. And really, that has come from you, you've got to say, like when you look at the early sort of parts of Daniel Levy's tenure, when all those lot, well, those other four that I mentioned, are dropping thirty odd mil here and there on random kind of players. Do you know what I mean? From random leagues, yeah. adding these sort of superstar players. Spurs had that philosophy of buying young, exciting English talent. And that led to that first kind of group, really, under Martin Yol, where it started to explode. We, there's always been a plan in place for Tottenham as to how can we do this, number one, without bankrupting ourselves, but with an actual view on being competitive. And I think it's probably easier to see that once the dust has settled. And it's this isn't to say I'm never going to get annoyed with Daniel Levy again. But I would say that I don't even think it's like a, an egg on my face thing, but I would say I am maybe showing a bit of humility to the podcast. Yeah. The end of the Conte thing, you can listen back to rule the Rose podcast from a year ago. And I was fully like, Daniel Levy has to go. He has to get out of this club. Now he's taken us to this point. He's, he's built a club, 
but now he can't manage a super club, for example. And I, I do think there probably is some truth in that. He has expanded the backroom staff and everything like that this summer. There has been a greater emphasis placed on footballing people, put in footballing positions, if you like. Um, so it, it's not to say that that was, that was completely untrue, but I was definitely not a fan of his, I would say. And I would say suddenly this year with FFP showing teeth, with... Ange doing what he's doing. And I think there are two things at play here, right? I think Ange is a great manager, but I also think, and Deserby didn't like this being levelled at him, but I also think there is an element of Ange inheriting a very good situation, actually, at Tottenham. A much better situation than we probably, many of us probably thought there was because it got so shrouded under that Conte era. That, that you're suddenly now like, well, actually, we do have loads of really good players. We've bought loads of really young, exciting players. And now we have a manager that will galvanise all of the pieces that we've assembled. And I still I still do have to look to Levy and say, like, I think I, I think he's actually played a blinder. I do. Like, it's, t- it's been a long road. And there have been, as a result of this path that he's choosing to take, chosen to take, I think Spurs probably have missed out on opportunities to win more than we could have done. I'm not going to hide away from that. I get it. What is it? No cups for 20 or 20 years is it now since we last won something? When was the when was the oh, Carling right. Cup? Jesus. I mean, that's quite depressing, isn't it? Um but still at the same time, now that we're actually here, it doesn't feel like it feels like look, to to cut a long story short Sean, and before I let you allow you some space to actually say something, um, <laughs> I do think that Spurs have arrived at a place now where the club is actually capable of having success and sustaining that success without it feeling like, God, we've got to try and grab this opportunity to just win an FA Cup, or maybe, like it was under Pochettino in that Leicester year, maybe we can just sneak a Premier League title here or there. Look, well, just this one, and we can remember this forever, and that'll be great, and maybe we can nick an FA Cup here and there. I I honestly think Spurs are in a position now to be placed in that we can look ahead the next 20, 30 years, and I can see it as in, like, maybe in that time, we'll win the we'll win the league four, five, six, seven times in the next 30 years. And I don't think that's ridiculous. Whereas previously, if we had kind of really drop money constantly on signing players for the here and now to try and win stuff now it might have been a case of yeah we might have won that one instead of Leicester winning it but then that would have been it and Spurs would have kind of shrunk back into being a kind of middle of the road team I mean Leicester have gone on to get relegated like you know I don't know I mean what do, what do you make of all that mate it's probably quite a bit to unpack there <laughs> well I had a couple of thoughts as you were talking I think the first I want to talk about is I do think Levy has shown some humility. I think he did a couple of interviews back in, I think, August, September, and he said, you know, I made a mistake over the last few years. I've, I've made errors. Um, I wonder, the thing that always sticks with me is, you know, in the Amazon documentary, and he goes on, he talks about the, the kind of the process of hiring Mourinho, and he says he's one of the two best managers in the world. And I really do think that him admitting that on a kind of a forum for everyone to see, for the world to see, I reckon he regrets that. I reckon that he did like it really showed a lack of football knowledge at the time because it was quite clear that it, that just wasn't true at all. Yeah. Um, but also, I think he believed in the talent that was in the squad. I think you're right. I think he did see there's a lot of talent in this squad despite last season. And I think he also believed in Paratici. I, I think he believed in the players that he brought in, and that's the reason why he still. Not with Spurs, but he's in contact with him on kind of a consultancy basis, and he still trusts his opinions. He still values what he thinks highly. I think those are the two main things. But also, as you said, there is now a new setup. It was maybe a little bit easier for Ange to come in because it was almost not quite a blank canvas, but a, a club that it was looking in at itself and thinking, okay, we need to really sort ourselves out. We really need to move in a different direction. But you can't really just lash out Levy and lay, level all these criticisms against him without 
you're right, giving him due credit for where Spurs are. The one thing I want to ask you about is, um, did you read Pochettino's quotes last week about why he didn't prioritise um, winning a trophy with Spurs? Yeah, it, it pissed me off, actually. Um... <laughs> do you, can I tell you about how this happened? Yeah, please do. Because it, it was actually our good friend, Dan Kilpatrick, who asked him the question. Oh, really? And, and it, it was one that while Dan was asking it, there was like a little smirk growing on Poch's face. And I think it's a question that he knew was going to come at some point. And I think he must have recognised Dan, you know, from all the years that he was covering yeah. Spurs there. And he kind of like went back to him and he was like, uh, after four or five years, I still have to clarify myself. And then the most, like the most perfect English I've ever heard Poch speak, this is how much that it feels like he's been rehearsing this. He was just saying all this stuff about um, oh the the priority at Spurs was to build the new stadium and the training ground and that meant we needed the money from getting top four rather than a cup and all this stuff and it, it gave this really long kind of five minute long answer which half up like a rant at Dan but also he had to ask it he did because Dan like kind of prefaced the question with oh at Spurs you said winning a trophy won't change the life of Spurs it only serves to build ego so he was right to ask it but Poch didn't I think he's quite been quite defensive about what happened to Spurs I think they had a few run-ins down the years didn't they those two <laughs> from what I recall I think I think Dan asked him a few things before it pissed him off it wouldn't surprise me it feels that way um, yeah I mean I get that Mauricio but nobody made you play Sonji Min as a left that's, yeah that's the thing like Levy's not did Levy tell Conte to play a weekend team at Sheffield United last season? No. Did Levy tell Poch to play Sonnet wing back in the semi final? No. Did, and have Poch, this did Levy tell Poch to play? Vaughan? Yeah, exactly. Did he tell him to keep playing Michel Vaughan? No. It's like, it, I, I think he said it in an interview once. I'm sure he said, like, he can only build kind of the squad and then the rest is that's what's on the manager and the player. And I think he's actually right. Like, you can, you can blame him if Spurs' squads aren't corrupted, constructed in the right way or they don't have enough quality, but. It's not him who's resting the players. Isn't it? We are kind of we are in that place now, where I would have. I'd always under. I did always understand it. I got the the need to have Spurs in the mix, keep finishing in the top four. Um, not only for monetary reasons, but also for like profile and what have you. But I think this is probably. I think the past couple of years, I would say actually. I would have probably taken if if I'd have been asked, I would have taken the FA Cup over a top four finish this year. Actually, I, yeah, I, I kind of feel that now. Yeah, we 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 do need to win something now. I think we definitely need to win something under Ange. It has to kickstart. I mean, even even if Ange's tenure at Spurs is the precursor to the glorious era at Tottenham, if Ange's career at Spurs is if he is just the guy to get us a League Cup and an FA Cup, maybe a Europa League or something like that. Who knows? Do you know what I mean? A couple of the secondary competitions, if you like. Mm. Even if he is just the guy to get the monkey off the back and do that for us, we, it, like we, we, surely we have to, have to do that in the, in, the, in the next couple of years. Because what are we waiting for now? You know? Like we, it, it can't always just be a manana manana thing, right? Mm. At some point, we have to just start winning stuff. Yeah. And I, th I think that's that's firmly where I am with Spurs now because there's every chance we're talking about Pochettino there. There's every chance that Chelsea are going to go and win the League Cup this year, and it will be gutting. It will be really annoying. It will be annoying. It will be annoying to see Pochettino go there and win a trophy in his first season there with them, and it will be annoying even if we do finish. If we, even if we finish third in the Premier League, I've got to say I honestly and they finish tenth. I will still feel like they have something over us if they've won a League Cup and, and, and we haven't. And I guess in, in part, they will probably feel right to feel that way. I mean, in the, in the, long, in the real sense, in the real sense, it's, they don't really. I mean, it's, I don't really hold much in the, in the League Cup. But there is, there is a certain amount of, there's a symbolic quality to that, isn't there? Like getting the job done. Yeah, I think that was part of his answer as well, that at Chelsea it was different, that it's, that's the modern history of Chelsea, isn't it? You know, it's it's not about necessarily the style of play or the process. It's about just being winners, and that's their identity. And our identity is about something else. So I'm I'm completely fine with that. Like I, that's those are my feelings towards Chelsea. I don't really hold them to the same kind of um, light as Arsenal, for example. Like it, I've become a bit numb to um, 
Chelsea winning things. I, was, I sat next to a, um, a reporter from Manchester on Friday and he was a United fan, but he was covering City and he's basically saying he's just, it was similar with him. Like when you are that successful, but for the reasons that it have been, it just, uh, it doesn't really hit the same. Like I've kind of, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he would hate Liverpool winning it more than City. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So it's it's similar with us. Like, we would hate Arsenal winning it more than Chelsea, so. Yeah. It's, it's, I never, I never, ever in my life, if I live till 80, let's say that, that's probably an arbitrary number, I never want to see Arsenal win the league again. I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't ever want to live through it's that. It's close on last season. Enough times. <laughs> oh, it's just been, I, I was certain they were going to do it as well. But After that then, Bournemouth game, I was in hell. <laughs> then they bottled it. That's the yeah. only way you can put it. They bottled it. Most historic bottling of all time. Um, and we can just comfort ourselves with that. Yeah. So we are moving on from Manchester City, mate. Moving on from Tottenham's aspirations. Back to the bread and butter. League football. Brentford at home. You cover Brentford a lot as well. Mm-hmm. How are they doing? How do you think they're going to bring... What do you think they're going to bring to Spurs? How do you think we're going to do against them? Because I'd sort of be hopeful that we're going to batter them. I, I think Spurs will win this game. I'm quite, I'm fairly confident that Spurs will win this game. And Brentford haven't really kicked on this season. Um, the loss of Tony to that ban, plus David Rea going, and then most of their signings, if not all of their signings, not just not hitting, but being quite destructive, has really hurt, hurt them this season. They, they have good kind of underlying numbers. Their XG is okay still. They probably should be a little bit higher on the table, but the, you know, but for a set piece goal here and there, a late goal, a scrappy goal, they were one up at Man United in the ninety fourth minute and lost two one when they really shouldn't have. It's, they've had a lot of things go against them this year, and they've had they've had kind of similar injury issues to Spurs. A lot of their key players have been out for a long time as well, so they're I think they're sixteenth if I'm right in saying going into this one. I don't think that they're any in any real danger of relegation, if only because. Having Tony back, you know, that's what a 60, 80 million pound asset. His goals will save them. Yeah. But I think it's almost kind of a write off season where they just kind of get to mid table obscurity again, reset in the summer, sell Tony for a decent fee, bring in some better young players, and go ahead from there. Um, they're 14th, it, just so far. Okay, 14th. So, okay, doing a bit better than I thought then. But they're just not, they're they're really not, not doing very well, though, are they? Like, when no, I'm I think, it, like they're yeah. really not doing very well at all. Yeah, I think the. I think obviously the loss of Tony is you lose your goals, you lose your focal point. But I think also the defensiveness. Like last year, I was looking back at some of the performances. They went to Man City in one two one, and that was due to an unbelievable defensive performance. It was the same in the home game on the last day of the season against them. Um, they went to Chelsea and won. They got a draw at Arsenal. They um, they beat Liverpool at home. They did us at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in this fixture last year. Yeah, they were just but they they were so good defensively as well, and they just missed that this season. They brought in. Nathan Collins from Wolves, he's their new record signing and he, he's had about four or five good games but apart from that he's been quite calamitous. The goalkeeper Mark Flecken has really, you think David Ray is having a bad season at Arsenal, you don't want to look at what his replacement's doing at Brentford. Oh, and, God, I had him yeah, on my fantasy uh, team for a time so I, I kind of feel it a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you see. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it feels like the, the younger generation of fans I've noticed are a bit more kind of frustrated because they felt like they were right in the race for Europe until the last day. And the only reason they didn't get Europe on the last day is because both Villa and Spurs won. They feel like there was a missed opportunity to go and really strengthen and push for a European place again. The older generation are more kind of a little bit grateful. They understand, you know, it is what it is. They're just kind of happy to be in the Premier League. I think the general feeling around the club is if they can avoid being dragged into the relegation mix, that's fine for them. They can just look to the post Ivan Tonio, if you will. And I think. Because the people I spoke to at the club before, they do bring up a lot Leicester's relegation last season, where it's like, well, you never know. You just one bad year and it can enter a relegation. So I think the, the club are quite generally all right with what's going on. They just been a little bit frustrated. They haven't had more success in terms of getting wins they probably should have won. Is what do you think is going on with Frank though, mate? Is it is the sort of the Frank because. People were talking about him potentially coming to Spurs at one point, right? Yeah. It's, it feels like the gloss has come off him a little bit. Is that fair to say? Maybe a little bit because, you know, they're losing more games. They're, they're not as good as they were last year. They haven't made any progress on last season. I do think that he would still be one of the top contenders for 
a job in the top half if one became available. I, I can't speak enough of just what a job he's done there. Like he was not a pro footballer. He was a, barely even an amateur footballer. He was a teacher. He came through like kind of coaching Denmark's youth teams, got a job at one of the biggest teams in Denmark at Bromby, got humiliatingly fired for things that weren't necessarily his fault. If, there's a really good story on the Guardian, I think, if you want to go read that. And then eventually some some the, some of the Danes <laughs> find the brain trust at Brentford, wanted to come and be assistant to Dean Smith, took over when he left, and he took them, he's the guy who got them to the Prem, and they came ninth last year. They nearly got into Europe. Like It's unbelievable what he really has done, and really, he's built there a lot. I think he's one of those kind of cerebral managers. It's, I don't think Brentford's necessarily a cerebral club, like, like a Liverpool or like a Dortmund like that. I don't yeah. think they're big enough to be like that, but he has this kind of charisma and personality and kind of force of will and force of who he is that would make him suited to a bigger club. And I think people can, if they want to like not think of him like was one of the top managers anymore, then I think they're in for a big surprise once they see how good Brentford could be in the second half of the season with Tony back. And I imagine next season, once they spend some money to replace him. Are you... um? <sighs> Are you sort of are you? Do you think we're just going to batter them right though this time? Not batter, but we're going to beat them, aren't we? I think it'll be com- quite comfortable. Yeah, like I think unless they get an early goal and then just sit in, or Tony really goes bonkers, then I think Spurs will be fine. I think they're just missing too many players still, and they, I don't think they know quite who they are. I think they they didn't quite scrape past Forest, but it wasn't necessarily a convincing win either. I mean, the thing is, these are the type of games that we do need to. We've got to be winning these. If we, if we, yeah, yeah, we've got these aspirations of winning. You know, getting into the top four. I think our next run of fixtures, we've got four or five. What you might call winnable games, right? A lot of home as well, yeah. Ivan Tony. It could be. I mean, would you swap Richarlison for him? Because I. I I actually really like Ivan Tony. I think he's I think he's tidy. I think he's a really good player. But is he right for this system? I think he. I actually think that he would be amazing in the system. The more that I thought about it, the more you look at the kind of. I think it was John McKenzie of Tifa and the Athletic did a thread the other day, going through why Richardson's been so good this season. It's been a lot of just standing in the penalty box, one or two touch finishes, and I think Tony is probably the best in the league at that besides Haaland like he's just can stand in that 18 yard box and he'll just wreck havoc and he, when he gets a chance he's really likely to score I can't remember in my three or so years covering Brentford in the Premier League I really struggling to think of many Ivan Tony misses where you're like oh my god has he missed that and I, th- I can think of so many for all the other big forwards in the league I think would be really good in the system my problem would be <sighs> It's the, I think it's the personality. I think that he's, you know, he's made no secret he wants to. He's going to leave Brentford at some point. I think uh, he kind of, he's, he's kind of tried to level it out with, oh, they've been so good for me. Frank's been so good for me. All the players rallied around me. But he has also said, oh yeah, but I want to go play for a big club like a Liverpool or Arsenal. And I remember, I think it was, I think it was Dave Heitner of the Guardian reported a few months ago that one of. Um, Postacoglu's transfer decisions in the summer they talked to a player who they were interested in signing but they didn't go through that signing in the end because they just felt like the player wanted to leave their club rather than join Tottenham and the other player they went for wanted to join Tottenham and not just leave their club Yeah, and I do think there'll probably be an element of that about Tony if Spurs were to enter that race you know there's probably a deal to be had there I don't think Brentford are going to um, demand this kind of Stupid high figure in the summer. If he gets you don't. into the last, how, I mean, how much? Contract. How long has he got left in his contract? It runs out twenty twenty five, I think. So, oh wow. And I think we saw. I think we saw with like Raya last year. I think that kind of breaks their stance a little. They were demanding forty mil for Spurs, and then gave them to Arsenal on loan plus a thirty mil option. So I think that they can be broken. I think there's probably a deal to be there for about fifty to sixty mil, which you know it's pretty good deal. But he is in his prime years. You know, he turns thirty in a couple of years. I think so. You're buying for now, basically. He scores a lot of goals, though, doesn't he? He scores like, a lot of goals. Just... I sort of toyed between him or... I mean, I, I think the reality is we're not going to get either of them. 
Tony's probably slightly more realistic, but I also look at Ollie Watkins. I think mm, God, I wouldn't mind him actually at Spurs. You know, another he was a Brentford boy as well, wasn't he? Ollie. Oh Watkins. yeah, Tony was his replacement. Yeah. Really? Wow. Okay. Where did they get Tony from? I know he was Arsenal's academy, wasn't he, Tony? Uh, he came from Peterborough. Did he? Wow. But yeah, he, he was in League One when they bought him. So, I, th- I think they were talking about this on the Tottenham Way podcast earlier this week. Like Tony has had this kind of, he's had a hard journey. You could maybe add in the betting stuff, kind of adds to his hardship, and he is, he is wide in a certain way. I do think that he thinks he's one of the best players in the league, and he's one of the best strikers in the world. So that probably works in his favour. Head of moving to a big club, I just have my doubts that it'll be a personality fit with Tottenham. He is quality. He is really, really oh yeah, good. yeah, no, no denying that. And this is the. It's funny, isn't it? Because I mean, it's obviously it's it's very different. But like, you've had somebody like Jamie Vardy who has bloomed, should we say, l- later on than a footballer generally does. And Ivan Tony, you might say, is is having a similar kind of trajectory, right? He's yeah, sort of landed at this place a bit later than a few might, but it feels like. And I think this is I think this is one of those things to consider. Like when people, I know people didn't take that that. Um, Sky Sports interview very kindly. I think people are going a little overboard with like quite how vile he was being and what have you. Like <laughs> it felt felt pretty kind of stock. It felt pretty textbook. You know, it was if the opportunity's there for me to join a big club, then of course I'd jump on it. It's like yeah. footballers have been saying that stuff since forever, right? They they yeah. they always kind of come out with that stuff. And yeah, I, yeah, and I would say as well, like I, we don't know what's been going on in his mind for the last eight months. Like he might have really oh. kind of struggled he might have he, you know he might have thought he was going to move last summer and then this happened and he can't really move he's not really like a no one wants to buy a player who's not going to play for the first six months of the season so we don't really know what's going on there and you're right if if he's had to work hard to where he to get where he is and he sees that there is an opportunity to join a big side you know then why wouldn't he go try and go for that so i do see that side of it as well yeah because it, it you know my point was going to be that he's He's late. He's further along in his career than a lot of players, so he probably realizes if I'm in good this form, I've got to take the opportunity now. Yeah. I have to. I've got. He's got one. He's got one big move left in him, hasn't yeah. he? That's, that's one big that's contract for sure. Kind of where he's at, um, as some might say, Harry Kane did, and that's why he jumped at the the Bayern thing. Although I actually kind of feel like he's probably going to come back to the Premier League, Chelsea or United or somebody after a year or so. I'm, at, yeah, at I'm Munich. less. I'm less convinced it's going to be us now. <laughs> Well, from what I've heard, mate, it's definitely not going to be. Um, I just don't like him. No, he doesn't like the club. <laughs> that <laughs> things were not left in a in a very good place whatsoever. Um, you know, I guess locking your club's record record scorer and best player out of the training ground they're not allowing him to say goodbye to anybody might leave a bit of a bit of taste in the mouth right um see daniel levy doesn't get it all right right he doesn't get it all right so we can dig him out for that um maybe we should but yeah no harry kane ivan tony maybe ollie watkins maybe who knows we, we i think it's further it's less of a concern now that Richardson's shown that he can score goals to me it's less yes, of a concern yeah. than it was at one yeah. point now now I'm actually kind of being like okay actually maybe Richardson is all right maybe he he can actually do okay um but for me I think like longer term I, I would still like to see him go but I think more now we need a we need another winger don't we the dribbly winger if you yeah. like there we go yeah full circle s- somebody else in the center of the park um, you say Conor Gallagher, I say someone I don't know, <laughs> but sign him anyway. Sign our player that will make us better in that position. Do it, Tottenham, right? Yeah. Right. Well, cheers for cheers for jumping on this this week, Sean. Um, where can everybody read and marvel at your your works? Where can they follow you? Where can they read your stuff? You can find me at Sean DZ on Twitter slash X. And you can find me on 90min.com. And also, where can they listen to you, Sean? They can listen to me on the Oh What A Night pod with our good friend Jude Summerfield. Can do. Do it. Get involved. Good lads. Good chat. I was about to say good banter, but I'm not going to do that to you, Sean, because that that almost sounds like... Great banter. 
great banter, jolly good banter with jolly good lads. Lads being lads. Um, blokes being blokes. <laughs> like the good old days. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.